Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Welcome to Haunted Road a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you for joining me for the season three premiere of Haunted Road. We have some incredible episodes coming up, and I just need to say thank you for making this podcast the spooky success it is. If you'd like to meet me in person, I am doing a fall tour where I will be visiting and speaking in multiple cities around the country. You can find out if I'll be in your neck of the woods by visiting amy-bruni.net. And if you're in the mood for a spooky vacation, who isn't? My company, Strange Escapes, is planning retreats in Gettysburg, St. Augustine, Mount Washington, Hawaii, and more. Check that out at strange-escapes.com.
16 years ago, I had made a pilgrimage to what I consider to be one of the most haunted places in America. Back then, I was still looking for ghosts for the novelty of it. I hung on to each whisper of an EVP or shadow on film like some sort of trophy. I think many of us start that way. This building was massive. Five floors of walls and ceilings that were crumbling. Wide open windows, vines and trees invading rooms and threatening to take the building back down with them. When you walked, the constant crunch of tiles that had fallen from the ceiling and exploded across the floor was all you could hear. Though sometimes, you'd swear another set of crunching footsteps was right behind you. As I split from my friends who had traveled with me, I walked down a corridor on my own. It was then that I tried a little experiment. I decided to walk down this long hallway and as I passed by each door, I would wait to see if one room in particular called to me, if I felt as though something unseen was inside. After walking by one, two, three rooms, I settled on the fourth door to my left. I walked in and felt a chill down my back and had a distinct feeling that I was in fact not alone. Then I turned on my digital voice recorder and began quietly asking questions. Who is here? What is your name? What can I do for you? After a few minutes of recording, I clicked off my recorder, said thank you, and left. After a full night of investigating, I headed back to my hotel and retired for the evening or morning at that point. Later that day, I hopped a plane and headed to what was then home, California. It wasn't until days later, when I had some free time, that I was able to review my recordings. As I sat with my headphones intently listening, I reached the EVP session I took alone in that room, and then I heard it. An EVP that even until this day causes me extreme guilt and forever changed the path and the way I investigate altogether. What can I do for you? I asked. A soft female voice replied, Where did I go? How could I? How could I have struck up this conversation, hopped a plane, and waited until now to hear this forlorn voice? Forever changed, I knew this would definitely not be my last visit to Waverly Hills in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm Amy Bruni, and welcome to Haunted Road. In the early 19th century, the spread of tuberculosis was at epidemic proportions. Called Captain Among These Men of Death, the airborne disease was highly transmissible. It attacked a person's lungs, eating away at healthy lung tissue. Because some of the infected were asymptomatic, tuberculosis was easily spread within households. By the end of the 1800s, tuberculosis was responsible for about 25% of the deaths in America. Encompassing the city of Louisville, Jefferson County, Kentucky was hit especially hard. Its hot, humid conditions were a perfect breeding ground for the bacterial disease. Hospitals needed to isolate their tuberculosis patients to prevent them from spreading the disease to the uninfected, and the county's little tuberculosis clinic was overrun. Stressing the scant resources even more was the fact that those in need of treatment couldn't remain at home because they would risk infecting their loved ones. A 1915 article in the Louisville Courier-Journal quoted a Dr. Wilson who said, Kentucky has the highest death rate from tuberculosis of any state in the Union, and Louisville and Jefferson County regularly do their part in maintaining this dreadful record. 
Before the development of drugs that could control tuberculosis, which wouldn't come until 1944, doctors struggled to treat the disease. Their advice usually consisted of some kind of restriction on breathing to allow the lung to rest and recover, the idea being that if the lung was less stressed, it would have a better chance of fighting off the invasive bacteria. Some of these rest treatments were truly brutal. In some cases, patients would have a section of lung removed or would have a lung surgically collapsed to allow the organ to rest. In other instances, a patient would have weighted bags pressing on their lungs to restrict the extent to which a lung could expand during inhalation. But other treatments were much more gentle. Many doctors prescribed sunlight, fresh air, and rest to allow people to remain as calm as possible and give their system a chance to recover. Heliotherapy, also known as sunbathing, was a popular option, the idea being that the sun would kill the tuberculosis bacteria. Sanatoriums, usually built high on hills surrounded by peaceful woods, became an increasingly popular option. Patients could rest, stay calm, and have dedicated medical staff focused on the exclusive treatment of tuberculosis. Because of the enormous stress on the medical resources in Jefferson County, it was clear that the area needed a tuberculosis sanatorium of its own. In 1908, workers broke ground on construction of Jefferson County's new treatment facility in a place called Waverly Hills. Waverly Hills Sanatorium would eventually become an enormous hospital with 400 beds, but when it opened its doors to patients on July 26, 1910, it was a humble two-story structure that could house about 50 patients. Being at Waverly Hills was referred to by locals as being on the hill, and everyone who went there was required to stay there as a permanent resident, and that meant everyone. Doctors, nurses, and other hospital staff lived on the property and remained there, subject to the same extreme quarantine measures as patients and separate from the general population in the outside world. The sanatorium was so isolated that it even had its own post office. To limit the spread of the bacteria as much as possible, the sanitary requirements at Waverly Hills were strict. That same article from the Louisville Courier-Journal described the facility's procedures. At Waverly Hills, the reporter wrote, the floors are scrubbed every day, the garbage is burned, the patients cover their mouths and noses while coughing and sneezing, and their sputa is deposited in cups and burned. The sunshine strikes the buildings at all hours of the day. At the time that article was published, the sanatorium had grown to have 178 beds. 25 of them were for children, and the rest were for adults. But there was an entire children's pavilion that sat empty and unused because Waverly Hills didn't have enough funding to outfit the space. Using photos of sickly children for emphasis, the article illustrated that the infected young ones must continue to live in Louisville and infect other children until the disease consumes so much of their little bodies that through sheer weakness they will take to their beds for the rests of their lives. By 1924, construction began on an expansion that would grow Waverly Hills from its original two-story facility to a sprawling campus with a five-story sanatorium in order to meet increased demand. By 1926, the hospital had 400 beds, most of which were consistently in use. Full recovery from tuberculosis before antibiotics was very rare. Even if a person could self-cure, the disease almost always came back and was fatal in most instances. About half of the patients admitted to Waverly Hills were in the beginning or mid-stages of TB and had a chance of being released and going home. 
The others were in advanced stages of tuberculosis and had essentially no chance of recovery. An important feature of the hospital was a 525-foot tunnel that connected the basement of the original hospital with the first floor of the new building and extended to the bottom of the hill below. It served several functions, including delivering supplies and coal to the hospital and serving as a warmer way to ascend the hill to the hospital during the winter. It was also a discreet way to remove the remains of patients who had passed away. Although the tunnel is nicknamed the body chute, that's not actually true. There was no actual underground slide. Rather, the tunnel was outfitted with a rail car system. According to the Waverly Hills Memorial Research Group, this tunnel became an effective tool for removing corpses off the hill in a way that the patients would not see the dead taken away in hearses. Directors of the sanatorium decided this was the best way to keep morale up. With the development of two potent tuberculosis antibiotics in 1944 and 1951 respectively, the medical community finally started to get control of the disease. By 1957, the Courier-Journal reported that the death rate at Waverly Hills had declined 57% in the previous 10 years. In 1961, a breakthrough in tuberculosis treatment emerged, an antibiotic that successfully cured the disease. While it was incredible news for those affected by tuberculosis, it also rendered Waverly Hills obsolete. That same year, the hospital closed its doors for good. After a quarantine period, renovations began that converted the facility into a nursing home eventually known as Woodhaven Medical Services. That facility was closed in 1981 amid horrific allegations of elder abuse and neglect. In 1980, the Louisville Courier-Journal reported that Woodhaven, one of the state's largest homes, got into trouble after a scathing report by state licensing director Sharon Ware. An inspection found patients kept behind locked doors and generally neglected, she reported. An intense state investigation found malnourished, dehydrated patients, shoddy care, and sloppy medical records that in some instances mistakenly labeled patients as diabetic. Waverly Hills remained closed for the next 20 years. The Waverly Hills Historical Society describes that period as one of pitiful abandonment, writing, over the next few decades, Waverly Hills would fall into more dark times, vandalized, damaged, nearly condemned. Previous property owners had no desire to maintain the luster of the building and did little to stop from slowly destroying her. It is sad that a place that played such a vital role during this period of history and medical discovery was not only over, but now disrespected. In 2001, current owners Charlie and Tina Mattingly purchased Waverly Hills and shortly afterward founded the Waverly Hills Historical Society, working to restore the buildings. By that point, the hospital had acquired quite the reputation as a haunted location, and with all those deaths and all the suffering that happened inside, it was a reputation the place had earned. In addition to an estimated 6,000 deaths from tuberculosis and disease that happened at Waverly Hills, there were several other untimely deaths inside the hospital. In 1954, orderly John Lewis Griggs attacked co-worker Edwin A. Barese, kicking and stamping him to death. Griggs was acquitted of his murder charges because, by his account, Barese had threatened him with a knife. There are also reports of a nurse hanging herself in room 502 after becoming pregnant out of wedlock, and another nurse jumping off the roof to her death after being diagnosed with tuberculosis herself. Waverly Hills has since opened to tours and is a popular site for paranormal investigation. 
Visitors report seeing countless shadow people and ghostly children, including a mysterious man in white drifting through corridors and a spectral boy named Timmy who roams the halls and likes to play ball. Also frequently reported are light anomalies and apparitions in the body chute. Waverly Hills has such a reputation for being haunted, it's often referred to by paranormal researchers as the most haunted location in the United States, if not the world. Over the years, I've investigated Waverly Hills many times, including a few times with my BFF, Adam Berry. Adam and I share the screen on Discovery Plus and Travel Channel's show, Kindred Spirits, which we filmed an episode of at Waverly. And before that, we were paired up on Ghost Hunters, where we also filmed multiple episodes at Waverly. We've had some wild experiences there over the years, so I figured it would be fun to chat with him about our experiences there and our theories as to why Waverly is just so darn haunted. So that is coming up after the break. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. So since we have been chatting about Waverly Hills, I thought there was no one better to join me in the second half of the podcast than Mr. Adam Berry himself. Hello, Adam Berry. Hello, Amy Bruni. (laughs) Um, I, I don't know how many people out there know this, but Waverly Hills is really kind of responsible for the show Kindred Spirits coming about in a way. That was a case that we did on Ghost Hunters. And it wasn't the first time, but it was one of the most profound times where we left the case feeling kind of guilty, like we had unfinished business there. And so, I don't know, can you kind of tell the story of what happened to us at Waverly Hills and why that inspired the show? Yes. So at this point in our relationship, when we did that case, we've been working together for many, multiple years. And we had got, at that point, we had the same investigation style. We had the same sort of belief system about what we were trying to do as you and I, right, in this team. And when we got to Waverly, they had opened up a brand new corridor or a new wing, and they call it the nurse's wing. And so I remember you and I really wanting to get in there 
and everybody went before us. (laughs) (laughs) That's the way it was back then. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody had already investigated, you know, got in there before us. But so we were the last to go. And I think it, I think we saved the best for last, in my opinion. Always. Right. We got into this, this hallway and the weirdest part about it is we started hearing these knocks or we had asked for these knocks to happen because it was just an easy way for us to just see if any, you know, anybody was there, any spirits were there. And I remember we asked for someone to knock and it happened. And we both were like, oh, that's very strange. And then we'd ask them to do it again and it would do it again, like immediately after. And so we started playing around with this because you and I had never experienced something so immediate, I would say, like that would just continuously happen over and over again. So like I put my hand on the window frame uh, and I said, can you knock on the wood beside my hand? And then it would knock on the wood beside my hand, which was bizarre. And I think we were able to, you know, we said everyone, you know, if you're a nurse in here and you want to talk to us or reach out to us, if you could each knock individually so we could count how many there are of you. And I think we got to 12 or 13. At this point, you and I wanted to help somehow, right? Like, we don't know who they are. We don't know why they're there. But this is the direction we were leaning towards as investigators. Like, we were done verifying that they exist. We wanted to help them. But the only thing that we could do, you know, we asked if they wanted prayer. And there was like a bunch of knocks. And so we said in our own way, a little prayer and what was insane is like during this prayer, which probably lasted, you know, 45 seconds to a minute, there was no knocks, no sounds, nothing. And then as soon as we said, amen, knock, knock, as if they were saying, thank you. And, you know, as investigators, you think about what that is. Like it's when there was nothing happening during the prayer, obviously it wasn't naturally happening. It wasn't rain. It wasn't a a motor or something mechanical. They were legit listening. And then you and I, sad to say at like three or 4 a.m., we're going into overtime. Our camera crew has been working all day long. We have to go. And as we're leaving the nurse's wing, we just hear knocks knocks and they're just following us down the hallway like almost to say like please don't go like we're making progress and we we had to leave and that was the catalyst for kindred spirits because we were like we no longer want to leave a location without doing something to help or to get a message across like we wanted to do more than just verify and that literally was it we were like we're yeah we're done just saying there's a spooky ghost here we got to find out who they are Yeah, that is exactly right. And I felt like I remember being in that area and just feeling this very heavy, guilty feeling because I think you and I could just sense that whoever was there was so desperately trying to communicate with us for whatever reason. We didn't know why, like why they were so intent on it. And it went on for so long and then we still had to leave. And I remember walking down that hallway as those knocks continued next to us and like just tears running down my face. Cause I was like, and I remember you put your arm around me. And, <laughs> That's and the I, second, wait, wait, that was the first of two times that that w- would happen at Waverly. Exactly. And so I just remember thinking like, this can't be it. We can't keep doing this. When I got back to the hotel, the sun is rising, like, I can hear the birds starting to sing outside. And I swear, as soon as my head hit the pillow, I heard on my wall this knock, knock, like, and I was like, I remember saying out loud, I'm so sorry. We will be back. We will be back and we will do something more. 
And so whenever people ask, like, how did Kindred come about? I'm like, well, let me tell you a story about Waverly Hills. And so mm-hmm. just now my, my, my wall cracked. Oh, <laughs> see, <laughs> they know. They know. Yeah, so it is a special place for us. I had gone to Waverly Hills. So before I was ever on TV... I had been on a few paranormal teams and one of the teams I was on, we actually kind of, I lived in California at the time and we made the trip to Waverly for an organized paranormal experience, right? Like an investigation. And I think there were probably 20 of us total, which Waverly is more than capable of handling 20 people. It's massive. And I will never forget, like this was the first time I had ever done one of these kind of larger scale investigations. And I will never forget, like, at the time, you could only go in one way. And so I remember Tina Mattingly then opening the door for us to that hallway, the one where you go down and there's that kind of that pellet stove. Yeah. That was the only way in. Like, once that door closed, everything else was boarded shut. (laughs) And so (laughs) I remember making that walk. And as I was walking, like, seriously having a panic attack because I was like, I know something is going to happen here. I am 100% going to have some sort of experience in this place. And it was just quiet. And then that door just slams behind you. And Tina's like, I'll get you at 2 a.m. or whatever it was. Yeah. I don't remember what time. Yeah. Door slams shut. And so it actually, that night, I was there for hours. And that was one of the first really strong EVPs I got. I mean, maybe not the first, but it was a very compelling one. I actually played it on a radio program a few months later. So the EVP that I got, I was on the first floor and I was walking along. There were just a few of us down there and just kind of walking by these old rooms. Now, back then, Waverly was a lot like they've done a lot of work there over the years. And that time, it kind of reminded me of like what Belvoir Winery is like, like what the Oddfellows is very overgrown, not trash, but just debris everywhere. Like you couldn't walk anywhere without making huge crunch, crunch noises. And so I was walking down that first floor and some of the people I was with, they kind of took off. And so I was literally like by myself. And I kind of did something that you and I have done in recent years where I decided I was going to walk by these rooms and the room that called out to me or that felt like I should go into, I would go into that room and do an EVP session. So I did that and I felt I walked by this room and it just, something about it drew me to it. And I went in and I did an EVP session and asked a bunch of questions and then stopped my recorder and left. And Did not listen to that recording until I was back in California. And when I got back to California, I was like reviewing all my evidence, which is also why we do real-time EVP listening now where we listen back right away. I can't remember what the question was that I asked, but I said something along the lines of, you know, is someone here? Who are you? And all I got was this really strong female whisper in the room with me. I was by myself. And she just said, where did I go? Mm. And I was like, I heard that back home in California and I was thinking, oh my God, who is this poor woman who asked me this very profound question? And then I was like, peace out, see you, you know? (laughs) So yet another, but apparently I wasn't far along enough in my paranormal career to have that be a moment that made me kind of rethink what I was doing, but so bizarre. 
Totally. But didn't you have that in the back of your mind every time you go there afterwards? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just always sort of like sitting. Yes. Yes, absolutely. The way, and I think you agree, the way I always view Waverly is that there are so many spirits there. And sometimes it's hard to kind of break through individually to get their individual stories And it's kind of like our work there is never finished. And so is that woman still there? Has someone since gone there and helped her? Did she figure out where she went? Did she go where she was supposed to go? (laughs) You know, so many questions. So you and also invest, did you do Waverly with Ghost Hunters Academy too? Girl, let me just say, (laughs) so I knew about Waverly, right? The thing about Academy, Ghost Hunters Academy, which we're going to bring up. If anyone doesn't know what this is, it was a spinoff show of Ghost Hunters called Ghost Hunters Academy, where they would take quote unquote cadets. That's the cutest thing I've ever been called ever. (laughs) It's like a Boy Scout. Um, (laughs) They would take cadets and put them in like really haunted places. And then they, you know, they would educate. Steve and Dave would educate the TAPS way of investigating. And then they would observe and, and somebody would be eliminated. But the main thing was you did not know where you were going. Like they would keep the locations from us. And so we would like drive up and we'd be like at Waverly or Trans Allegheny or the Stanley Hotel, which, by the way, are like the most badass locations. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> right. So the my first the first episode that I was on was Waverly Hills. And we all drove up. And there I was standing in front of this massive location that I had known about. And so that was my, not only my first experience investigating a location like that, like huge, usually I was in like old houses and stuff, but like first off that two, I had left my house at 2 AM. It was now 2 PM and I was filming a TV show. So I had been up since 2 a.m. It's now 2 p.m. And we didn't stop filming until 4 a.m. So let's mm. let, let's do that. Mm. And three, it's like you're sort of like thrust into this environment where you're like, OK, I've always wanted to be here. This is really weird. Now I'm being filmed being here. Plus, I have to focus on everything else. So that first day was an absolute whirlwind. And it was January. So you know it was it was freezing. Oh, that place gets so cold. That you you don't expect it, but there is nothing colder than Waverly Hills in the winter because it's just cement all around you. Yeah. Like it's dangerously cold, I would say. Freezing, frigid. And so it's it's been so long, it's been 12 years, but like I do remember we had really crazy experiences. I think we heard footsteps at one point that we couldn't identify. And it was one of those places that you obviously never forget. I mean, your first time at Waverly, you never forget. So I did it on Academy and then you and I got to do it on Ghost Hunters. And then you and I got to go back for a kindred, you know, three times at least. At least three times. And I've been there at least two or three times outside of filming so yeah, it's just one of those places I feel like we get, go, you know, it, it is the, for paranormal investigators, like, what would that be to other people? Like, oh, the, I mean, it, it's like. Holy it's like grail. A, it is. It is the holy grail. And speaking of, I had like the holy grail of experiences there with you when we were filming Kicking Spirits, <laughs> which to this day is probably one of the most scared moments I've ever had <laughs> investigating. And in, so we clearly, we had made contact with this angry man. He had had a lot of issues in life and just some terrible things had happened to him. And 
We first, like this guy was just, the problem was, and Tina brought him up to us at the time where she was saying that people kept getting this man screaming on the fourth floor. And she even said she heard him scream in her ear and he was coming through the spirit box. And then I remember we did an EVP session and we played it back and there was just this man screaming. <laughs> and so we kind of brought up these different stories that we had found in newspapers and, and he seemed to be this man named John Mitchell. So anyway, you and I were trying to reach out to this guy and he clearly wanted no part of any of this. And so we're standing, so much happened at once. This is one of those moments in paranormal investigating where like, it's really important when multiple things happen together. And so in this case, you and I are standing on the fourth floor. We're looking kind of down this hallway. We feel a breeze, which on its own is not a big deal. There's some windows missing, whatever. We hear these leaves kind of blowing down the corridor which again, like they make kind of a scratching sound, but we're like, okay, maybe that could be just the breeze. But with that breeze, we start hearing footsteps, like this click, click, click. And you and I are like, what the heck? And so we're staring in that direction, waiting to see like what is happening here. Everyone, the whole crew and everyone's just looking at each other like, what the heck is going on? And suddenly this man just appears in front of us and I'm staring right at this guy. Like he just flashes out of nowhere and he looks so angry and he's just staring at us. And I see he's wearing some sort of like kind of brownish canvasy looking, maybe almost jumpsuit thing. And then he disappears. And I'm like, oh my God, Adam, did you see that? And I think you saw like kind of the tail end of it but you saw something. And then I was just like, what the heck? And so we go down. At the same time this is happening, our poor producer, Brian, he's like, he had had a coughing attack that he was trying to kind of silence. It was very dusty in there. And he kept feeling someone pushing on his back the whole time. Like, wow. Like, and so he finally backed himself against a wall because something wouldn't stop pushing him at the same time. And then you and I stand in the hallway and we try to continue our EVP moment. We're listening to it back and something grabs my arm so much that I just jump. And I think I let out the longest stream of F-bombs I have ever Yeah, and you blame me for doing it. You're like, you grabbed me. You're like, you did it. Don't do that. And (laughs) And I was like, I did not do it. (laughs) And we look back at the footage. You didn't do it. So it was just like this whole crazy moment where all of these things kept happening and I remember I'll never forget I think they played it on one of the bonus episodes but as we were leaving I remember just covering my eyes and holding on to you because I was like I just don't want to see that man again I just I mean it I don't want to see him again and I even told Tina at the end of that I said I don't know that I'll be coming back to Waverly Hills anytime soon like it just really shook me I have not been back since although I haven't had the opportunity I'm working on it but I mean I do remember it was the whole experience seemed like a horror movie at a point because with the wind and the footsteps, we acknowledged the wind. And I even think I said, that's free. Like, that's like a horror movie. Like I say, I acknowledge the oddness of the wind, just all of a sudden picking up with the footsteps and the leaves. And then it happens. And I did see the tail end. I mean, I feel like he had like a brown bowl cut kind of situation going on. I don't know. I just remember seeing his face. He has a very distinct look, but I got a very good look at him and he did have brown hair. Yeah. And like he, what's weird is like, he sort of manifested and then sucked back. Like, like it went away. 
It was just the weirdest thing. It was very much him being like, I don't want to talk to any, nothing you can say will make me feel better about what happened to me in my life. And I'm just going to stay here until I'm ready to go. So. Yeah. Also, well, and it was so sad. His whole his whole story is so sad. It's almost like a self-imposed sentence of sorts, like where he's like, I'm just still grieving or something. He didn't even die at Waverly. He got moved. He did die of tuberculosis. He got moved to a different hospital because they moved a bunch of people, I think, when it closed. And yeah, but he spent, um, I think, 12 or 13 years there. Yeah. I mean, and also before he appeared to us, before that happened, I was using the SLS camera and I remember it just kept getting shut off and it was like, it was fully charged and I would open it up and I would point it in that direction and it would shut off and then I would do it again and then it would shut off. And I remember getting so mad about it. I was like, I am so mad. Stop messing with my equipment. And you were like, okay, calm down. And I was like, I'm going to fight. You know, (laughs) it was just like, it was as if this entity, this person had a plan was like, I'm going to show myself to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, I don't want to be used in that manner or or something. I will say that was the one time, like when you were so mad, I was like, I think something here is affecting Adam. Like it really did. I was worried for a moment. I was like, is this it? Is this when we finally get possessed? Is this the time? Like, (laughs) I'm like, here it goes. Everyone's waiting for it. I mean, maybe. I mean, the energy in that space is very, very strange. And you and I, are really tuned in sometimes to the environment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes we might not recognize it. And if our temperament is going in a different direction, I think, you know, maybe we are, you know, maybe we are just being not possessed, but like affected by the energy around us. Because when you and I investigate, I feel like there's an exchange of energy between the things that we're talking, the people that we're trying to reach and the spirits that we're reaching out to and us. And I think in a way, that's why we get such good evidence and good communication because of our energy and collective whatever so i think maybe it is maybe we do get slightly affected (laughs) well you know it's it's like our version of reading the room you know what i mean it's like it happens with living people all the time you and i talk about this at whenever we do like meet and greets and things sometimes people come up to us and we're just like that person's having a bad day (laughs) you know or like like we or that person is just really lovely and bright and like it's not what they're saying it's just that energy that they're giving off like you just get a feeling from people standing in front of you and you feel that and so what's to say that that kind of feeling is not there in the spirit world and and we're not kind of picking up on that from the dead as well. And Waverly just filled with so much. Waverly's filled with so many things. And like I said, when we first started, like you will not walk into that place and not have an experience. I know shadow figures are prevalent there. I've seen many. The footsteps are crazy and it is almost like they're messing with you. I don't know if you've experienced that there. Oh yeah. They walk behind you. And you stop and they stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's one of those things. Like I think I got an EVP my first time there of the footsteps and what I swear to God was like a rolling cart sound near the death tunnel or the death chute. Like it literally sounded like a cart, you know, like they were rolling somebody like down into the, nobody was there. It's a, it's a crazy, it's a crazy, crazy location that like, when you and I investigated Waverly for Kindred, there were times we had to go and get something by ourselves in mm-hmm. that location with no one else. Cause our crew is very small. We have let with you and I, it's less than it's seven crew members and you and I, 
you know, there were times that we were alone, alone, like walking all the way to the fourth floor to get a camera or to get a piece of equipment. I think we even left equipment there on accident. We were like, well, left it at Waverly, <laughs> you know, because we yeah. couldn't find it. But it's mm-hmm. it changes you every time that you go. It's always haunted. And I guess, you know, listeners want to know, Amy, are we going to go back? Because if you recall, we went to Waverly for Kindred to go to the nurse's wing, right? And to sort of close that chapter for us. But because Tina, she had an experience that was really frightening. And for Tina to have an experience that's frightening is saying something. And so our entire purpose, I guess, changed for that case. And so now we got to, we have to go back and close that nurse chapter. I think. I hope so. You know, I mean, Waverly is kind of, there's a lot going on there right now. And I am sure that some listeners might know this, but Tina and Charlie, who ran it for a long time, I think they're still involved in some way, but then there's a historical society that's there and there seems to be some sort of tension or legal thing going on. And it's really hard from the outside because I have the utmost respect for Tina and Charlie. I have the utmost respect for the historical society. And so I just really hope that somehow it comes to kind of an amicable solution. So I just, I wish everyone involved with that place the best and You know, I think we're all kind of eagerly watching to see what happens, but at least there are people there still tending to it. I know people can still investigate it. They can go to the Waverly Hills website, and I'm sure you and I will be back there in some way, shape, or form (laughs) in the near future. But, you know, it's as so many of these kind of large historical places go, there's sometimes you know, just trying to to keep it running gets complicated, especially with like legal and tax issues. So hopefully they're able to get it all ironed out. For sure. We have to go back. We have to go back. We have to go back. I know they would love to have us back. I feel like it's made a profound impact on both of our lives and our paranormal careers. And it's probably done the same for so many people, paranormal and otherwise. But like I said, I couldn't think of a better person to talk to about it because it means so much to us. What are you up to? Like, why don't you do some, uh, you know, oh, shouting out? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not up to nothing. What? Are, when is this airing? June? No. July. July. Mm-hmm. Well, right now, if you're listening and it's mid-July, Amy and I are both on a European cruise with Strange Escapes. <laughs> That's true. We probably will be on the cruise when this comes yeah. out. No, actually. No, sorry. This is coming out June. 20- this is the season premiere. So June 29th. So we oh. will be somewhere. I don't know. We will have just finished, if you're listening, we will have just finished uh, the Strange Escapes event at the Belvoir Winery. That's true. Yeah. And then we're about to go on a cruise. So yeah. don't so be jealous. come hang out with us. We've got so many things going on. We've got all these talks coming up. Adam's got talks coming up. We've got events coming up. We're leading into the busy season. So if you're listening to this in the summer of 2022, fall of 2022 is going to be crazy. Yeah. Catch so. us. Catch us if you can. Yes, yeah, seriously. What I say. <laughs> so well, hopefully I'll see you very soon. I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. So. Oh yeah, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Listeners, I just saw her, but. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll see you again. It gets in very a, a confusing. Week. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Barry. It's a lovely uh, time. Anytime I get to speak with you, and I'll talk to you soon. You're welcome. Knock knock. <laughs> Waverly Hills Sanatorium clearly changed the entire direction of my philosophy on ghosts and frankly the trajectory of my career as an investigator and researcher. 
I'm thankful for that, but still have a lingering sense of longing and a touch of guilt because of the spirits there. In my heart, I know there are so many stories that remain untold inside that massive Gothic structure. And every time I go there, desperate voices begging to be heard. I implore you, if you visit Waverly Hills, have fun, of course, but please remember the history there. Really ponder who could potentially be reaching out to you and why. Most importantly, just listen. I'm Amy Bruni, and this was Haunted Road. Haunted Road is a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Menke. Haunted Road is hosted and written by me, Amy Bruni. Additional research by Taylor Hagerdorn. The show is edited and produced by Rima Elkayali and supervising producer Josh Thane. And executive producers Aaron Menke, Alex Williams, and Matt Frederick. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. See new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at AvalonWaterways.com. Avalon is cruising.
feeling elevated.